This is the first time I've done a podcast where I'm actually taking notes. Taking, taking, taking. Everybody's got to eat, and nobody likes getting sick. That's why Heroes toil in the shadows, keeping your food safe at all points, from the supply chain to the point of sale. Join industry veterans Francine L. Shaw and Matt Ragusi for a deep dive into food safety. It all boils down to one golden rule. Don't eat poop. Don't eat poop. Well, hello there. This is the infamous producer, Joe. I edit these podcasts. What you're about to listen to is an interview that Matt and Francine did with Adam Specht. Adam is founder of KAS Concepts, the home of No Boring Training. No Boring Training exists to train the trainer to design, develop, and deliver interesting and effective training sessions. It's a really interesting interview, and it's funny, too. So enjoy. Don't eat poop. Hello, hello! How is everybody? Francine? Adam? Great! I'm good. Nothing better. (laughs) So happy that Adam's here, the Spatch Man. In the house, NBT. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. <laughs> We're excited to have you. We've been so excited. So excited that I was talking to you from the tarmac this week. <laughs> <laughs> you uh, survived your uh, TSA uh, issues. I, I don't want to get into any details on that. We'll keep that on the down low. Uh, but <laughs> no, it's it's absolutely great to be here. I've listened to your podcast for quite a while. Uh, quite a fanboy moment to now actually be on it. So this is fantastic. Yeah. And just to give a little bit of context too, like Adam has been following us. And again, we do a lot on LinkedIn. And so he's been following us and commenting on almost everything that we post on 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 LinkedIn. And, and a few weeks ago, maybe a couple months ago, I don't know, time keeps moving very, very fast. You posted kind of a fanboy post about us mentioning you. Do you want to talk about that? Yeah, absolutely. I was uh, driving down the road I was listening. I was actually on a work trip. And next thing I know, you all were talking about uh, nachos at a gas station and some sort of food safety issue that came from that. And then that sort of segued into bad training. And Francine started talking about how reading slides is not training. And I'm just, you know, getting all doughy eyed because that's the whole no boring training, you know, riff, right? Uh, That that's not good training. So you all were talking about training. And I'm like, yeah, this is great. And the next thing you know, you all are giving me a shout out saying, hey, Adam Spack's on LinkedIn and he does this, that, and the other talking about training. And I, number one, almost ran off the road. So uh, (laughs) we'll gloss over that part. But two, it just, I was like, holy moly, this is apps to hear your name coming out of the radio speakers uh, is, it was, was quite a thrill. I won't lie. It was, it was, it was really cool. And I really appreciated it. Yeah, it was an awesome, it was a great post for us to read. Because we were like, wow, actually people listen. I mean, we, we get the stats. We know a lot of people listen. But it, it was really cool to get to get that feedback. And, and it's really true. I mean, you are unique in the training world. And, and Francine kind of like introduced me to you in, in the world. And Francine, you want to kind of explain how you met or got to know Adam and his company? So, yeah, I can't remember how the connection actually came about on LinkedIn. But what I do remember vividly, oh, I do remember. I do remember parties. There you go. We have that in common. There was a post and you had mentioned that when you were much younger, that you had worked at Hardee's and there was something about the headsets and crazy things that happened when we first got those headsets at the (laughs) (laughs) drive-thru. And some crazy things happened on those headsets at the drive-thru. Oh, oh goodness, no. We were very serious and professional as 14, 15, 16-year-olds. And I can remember our first experience, you know, speaking over the airwaves, I guess, 
And sometimes you would hit the wrong button and think you're talking to your friends in the back and oh crap moment, you're busting it out over to the customer (laughs) at the drive-through speaker and they might not necessarily want to hear what you had to say. But, you know, then he had, you know, we had the connection that, you know, we had both worked at parties and then there were some different conversations that were going on and it was, it came out that he was, he was a trainer. He worked in the training industry. You know, training is near and dear to my heart because, you know, I've been a professional trainer and there aren't a lot of really good trainers, No, in my opinion. There are a lot of trainers, but not a lot of good trainers, exceptional trainers. And, you know, the more I saw your posts and I've done a lot of train the trainer and things along those lines. And there's so many people that read the slides. Oh my God, let's not even talk about slide decks and people that just aren't fun. And I've sat on my butt in classrooms where it's like, I'd rather peel my skin off than be in those rooms. (laughs) And I'm, I'm listening to you and I'm watching you and I'm following you. And I'm like, my God, this guy's got his shit together. And you can ask Matt, it's like, if I say something, I'm being sincere, and there's not a lot of people that I send this kind of stuff out to. And the more I'm watching it, it's like, I just really became a fan because you're very sincere, you're very humble, and you're just very good at what you do. I mean, I've never sat in one of your classes, but I can tell by the stuff that you put out that you have a lot of fun when you're putting this stuff together. And my God, your material is fantastic. <laughs> I love it. So that's how it came to be. Yeah, hard to imagine all those years ago at Hardy's how the universe would then bring us back together that way. <laughs> all that double knit polyester and crazy headphones and uh, all that. And now right. X number of years later, I won't, we'll gloss over how many years it's been, but uh, to come back together is amazing. Yes. Remember I shared that picture of me when I was like, I don't know, 18 in my polyester <laughs> uniform. <laughs> <laughs> you you wore the because per- so we we talked about what you know you should wear in the podcast. We were like people generally don't see what you wear um, in a podcast, but we happen to record. We do three different segments um, that we that Joe pulls out our producer to, to do, and I was like, oh, hey, Adam, so you may want to wear something that you would want your audience to you, know, you want to want your audience to, to be okay with, you know, like a bikini. But you didn't wear a bikini. But well, you, you have to show off that shirt. Oh, my God. I know. I love it. He fits so well. <laughs> it says, me? Sarcastic? Never. <laughs> I, I would like to point out the camera is only from the waist up. So, uh, you know. <laughs> so the bikini, you have the bikini bottoms on, but the sarcastic shirt on as well. Yeah, we'll, we'll see it. how the chat goes. If we have a happy chat here, maybe that'll that'll take us to the big, the big bikini <laughs> reveal. <laughs> wow, that'd be awesome. So, funny. so I, I said that I didn't know if I, if I was going to be able to manage this with you two. So I came ultra prepared. We talk about me and the monster habit that I have. I usually only drink one a day. I brought... Two. <laughs> we all double fisted. Nice. <laughs> just, just, just in case. Just I have the pot. Uh, yeah, I hope wow. my son didn't see that. You know, <laughs> I'll wait. That's. I always forget they can't see me. <laughs> it's all a live presentation. <laughs> I forget they can't see me. So into the training, which is what you do, and you'd probably like to talk about that at some point. Why don't you tell us a little bit about your company, 
you know, so I don't go off on some tangent and, you know, forget that we're here to talk a little bit about you (laughs) (laughs) and what you do, how you do it. And where you started. Yeah, absolutely. And first off, again, thank you both for having me on. And thank you uh, for the support you've shown. No Boring Training shown me uh, liking posts, commenting on posts, bringing me on here. The shout out. It's uh, super appreciated. And I don't want to don't want to gloss over that without at least recognizing that how, how much your all support to me is, has really been appreciated over the years. I was a, a sales guy for a long time, industrial salesperson territory sales individual contributor. Then I got into sales management. And at that time, my employer was really rapidly expanding the area and adding new members to the team. And the regional sales manager role, we had to do some onboarding before we shipped them off to headquarters to get kind of go to finishing school. (laughs) And as we kept hiring people, more and more people, I realized, hey, this, this sales manager stuff is fun. But this training piece is funner. I really like this, trying to figure out the puzzle of how do you bring somebody into a new organization? How do you teach them the culture? How do you teach them product knowledge, sales knowledge, et cetera? Was a complete and utter dumpster fire in the beginning. I had no (laughs) idea what I was doing. Chris Dorr, shout out to him, first guy I ever trained remotely. Oh my God, three days nonstop in a hotel room just talking at him. Oh, and you need to know this, and you need to know this. Oh, it's just dreadful. But over time, I realized there's a better way. There is a way to help really guide people to understand knowledge. And one thing led to another, and next thing you know, headquarters said, hey, could you help us out with our our classroom piece of onboarding? So yeah, sure, of course, be glad to help. And that became that temporary assignment became suddenly a full-time gig, and now Six, seven, eight years later, I've been to all the requisite courses, run countless different training sessions. So a little bit of history on me, but that's all morphed into this idea of no boring training, which is very much a train the trainer play of how do you give good, effective training? How do you really help people to understand information? Because as you said, Francine, there's there's a lot of bad ones out there and it's helping somebody learn and grow is so much more than watch this video. Uh, or VHS tape, in our case. Uh, <laughs> there are so many of those. <laughs> be kind, rewind. Uh, be kind, rewind. Uh, Hardy still has, if you YouTube it, I think they have their uh, their onboarding video available online. Just throwing that out they there. Do. They do. <laughs> you have to also buy a VCR in order to run the video. <laughs> Minor detail. <laughs> when he said that, I went back and I looked and I actually shared that on my Facebook page for all the people that I'm connected with, it's still working at Hardy's. I'm like, Oh my God, guys, remember, remember when (laughs) (laughs) I I remember, you know, of course I was like 15. I didn't know anything still don't at 51, but anyway, you, you know, they put you in the little manager's office. They put the VHS tape in and you just sit there and watched it. And what's sad is in 2023, Well, we, we, yeah, we watched. I'm just kidding. kidding. I didn't didn't have cell phones back then. I I remember doing the exact same thing. You you didn't have cell phones back then. So you had to watch it. Yeah. Wait a minute, guys. We had knowledge checks at the end of these that we had to answer and I needed to get a hundred. Oh yeah. Yeah. That's right. right. I always sat next to people like you so I could cheat off of you and get a hundred as well. Yes. Let's see. It's Swiss cheese, then the mushroom, (laughs) then the sauce. Oh my God. (laughs) What's what's sad though is that here in 2023, there's so many organizations that treat onboarding 
you know, if you're just looking at onboarding training that still treat it the same way, watch mm-hmm. this video. Well, first off, there's either nothing at all, or it's watch this video, or it's go read this catalog if you're in a sales type role, or we're going to do this sort of can presentation. We're going to have somebody who's never been given any instruction or guidance on how to teach people. They're going to come in for a day or two and talk at you and read slides to you. Onboarding, you know, a lot of organizations really haven't progressed beyond what we went through back in the 80s. And then when you think about ongoing development training, organizations get busy. They don't carve out time for it. uh, They don't have managerial leadership support for it. So at the end of the day, this long-winded speech, No Boring Training is really a train-the-trainer company aimed at helping people learn how to execute on good, effective training that's fun, it's interesting, it's engaging, and most importantly, it's it helps people learn whatever the material is that they have to learn. Well, and it's, it's a wonderful service because I have, over the years, trained tens of thousands of people from entry level to executives. And we still, at our office, will have people that will call us, even from corporations, that will say, okay, so I've taken this course. I have passed. I can proctor. I can train. Now, I need to know how to order exams, or I need to know what do I do next? They've never trained a class in their life. They don't have a clue. Yeah, I've passed the test. I'm allowed to teach, and I'm allowed to give the exam but I don't know anything else. Like, I don't want to sit in that class. You know what I mean? And that's not fair to them. That is not fair to them. They need to be given the basics of like, how do you start? Like, what do you need to know? How do you stand in front of that class and execute that? Just even the very basics and and it's not being done. And you're setting those people up for failure from a corporate level. You're setting those people up for failure because the people that are in that class a couple things are going to happen. They're going to be bored. They're not going to be entertained. They're going to get low exam scores because they're not going to know how to present that information. And the person in the front is going to feel like a failure. And that's not fair to them. And it's not their fault, especially if they're working for a corporation because they've not been given the tools that they need to learn how to do that job. Could not agree anymore. Number one, it's if an organization isn't hitting its KPIs, it's a leadership issue always. It always starts with leadership and training as a tool to execute on those and achieve those KPIs, same exact thing. And to say to somebody, well, you've got a certain level of knowledge, therefore you are now a trainer. Like you say, it just does not give them the tools they need. And the tagline of No Boring Training is to uh, design, develop, and deliver training. And what everybody sees is the delivery part. And that is part of it. And that's an important part. But it starts way before you walk into that classroom with what is the material you're going to teach and what order does it need to go in and what is the delivery method you're going to use and how is it going to be sequenced out? And if that individual has responsibility to put all that together, it's, it's not just handed to them, here's the curriculum. They're like, oh my God, what do I do? And you know exactly what they're going to do. They're going to open up the slide deck. They're going to start at slide number one. They're going to say, let me tell you everything that I learned or know in my career here. And I'm going to vomit words on you in a word salad for the next X number of hours. And the organization doesn't get a benefit. The 
people don't get a benefit, and that instructor, as you said, doesn't get a benefit. Yeah, and Francine and Adam, uh, just just a question too, like because I've done a lot of trainings in my here, training. Matt? I'm sorry, I forgot you were here. <laughs> <I'm just kidding>. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, <laughs> it's funny. Um, so I've I've done a lot of trainings, but uh, all my trainings have always been like, okay, here's how to do the checklist, right? Like you know, for the supply chain, uh, here's a food safety checklist, an organic checklist or blah, blah, blah. And going question by question by question through how to, how to do it. But then through that with either myself or my staff, I've always had a bunch of stories explaining to, to, to different people per each one of those points. Like here is where people get mixed up or, or here are the issues that people have with this particular questions or here's the nuances that people don't really think about when they're trying to to build out their SOP for for this particular thing because each question is baked into a lot of different things. Now I know you guys the the trainings may be very different, but how often do you see people who have zero experience going in trying to just teach to the slides and it's just canned information? And how often do you have people who have a ton of experience that never really get to the meat of what it is that these people need to be learning because people are telling a whole bunch of different stories. And do you see that there's like a happy medium in between? Can I, can I say something first? I want to back up to something that Adam said. Oftentimes they do take the smartest person or the most educated person and think yeah. that they're the best person, best trainer, I'm sorry. And they're not. Nope. They're not because what that person does is they stand up there and regurgitate that information because they have all this information in their head. Right. And they don't necessarily make the best trainers because they don't have the ability to come down to the emotional level or to teach in the different styles that they need to teach and to reach the different personalities that are in the room. Or they're trained to a level that's super, super high and people are starting off entry and they have no context for that other level of understanding. So that's that was a really really good point for, you know, some of the people that are listening. It's not always the smartest person that you have on staff that makes the best trainer. It just isn't. I was this is this is going to, you know, Matt always laughs at me when I say this. I laugh at you all the time, Francine. I don't even know what you're going <laughs> to say. It doesn't really narrow it down much, I don't think. <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> I am very much an introvert. <laughs> Yeah, okay. I really no. I really no. we're all looking at you like <laughs> nodding our head. Okay, depending on the situation, if you put me in a room where I'm not in charge, if I'm in control of the room, I, I'm not. I can take charge of a room, but if I'm in a room full of people and I'm like not in charge, <laughs> I can very much become an introvert in that room. So I guess there's something called an extrovert introvert personality. I am the poster child <laughs> for that <laughs> person. <laughs> so when I first started like training, I can remember thinking, oh, dear God, I don't know if I can do this. But when I got up there in front of that room and discovered that I could make people laugh yeah. and was having fun with it, I was having the time of my life. I mean, it suddenly became like, this is my thing. I really enjoyed it. So for the people out there that think, oh my God, I could never do that. And like, I say this all the time, speaking publicly for many people is like, they fear that more than death. It's oftentimes it's like you get up there and discover that, hey, I was, I was born to do this. This is this can be really fun. Totally. And it, in training really is its own skill set. There are so many different skills and that 
just mm-hmm. to your point, Francine, just because you've been there the longest, uh, you're the subject matter expert on XYZ subject, or you're in a leadership role, or all these other things that often people use to say, well, then therefore you're the trainer, or performance in the job role. You're the top of the leaderboard, so you're going to train everybody and transfer that knowledge. Well, being skilled in that job role doesn't mean you're going to be skilled at training. So it's a totally different ball of wax. And you're right. When you get in front of that room, the delivery piece, there's so much that goes into it. I mean, the, the presenter controls the energy in the room. The presenter, the facilitator, whatever title you're going to give them, they you have to let that room breathe and let people you know figure out the answers for themselves. But you got to be a general too and really guide that ship and not let things get off course. So it's a whole when you're especially if you're doing soft skills, culture training, or uh, practicing of skills, stuff like that. Matt, to your point though. At the other end of the spectrum, let's say it's just some sort of regulatory compliance, yearly uh, training. Uh, I'm out of my depth here. Maybe a food safety type thing that, okay, we got to go through and teach you this this procedure checklist. The food temp has to be this or the whatever. I often have people ask me, Adam, that material is so boring. How do I kind of sex it up a little bit? And what they're missing is – it's when you're teaching a procedure or process, yes, you have to teach step one, two, three, four, five, but it's the why that's behind it that is so important, especially if you're talking to those frontline users who are probably underpaid, overworked, underappreciated. They've got all a million other concerns in their world other than step nine of this procedure. So explain to them the why of it. And you don't have to do some big, elaborate, fancy training to get the why across. We take the temperature because if we don't, people die. You know, we yeah. take we we do this because if we don't, the company gets sued for a bazillion dollars and we're all out of our jobs or whatever. I'm mm-hmm. I'm being dramatic, but you know, the more you can lean into the why of the more boring subjects, that's when you get people kind of thinking and talking and and paying a little bit of attention. I love that. And the the why could be visual too. I mean, you could you can go on stop foodborne illness and pull off stories from from different people with uh, uh, stop foodborne illness. Adam is a it's a website that ha- that tells the stories of people who have either died or gotten sick sick or died of of, of a foodborne illness, and it explains how they got it, um, what their symptoms were, what type of pathogen it was, you know, E. coli, salmonella, listeria, hepatitis, whatever it is. And so the why, you don't even have to research it you just go to stop foodborne illness and pull off the stories and, and, and have some pictures and be like, Hey, listen, your job, like this person got sick at this restaurant because of this thing. And that is the reason why you're doing this. And that just, it would take what 20, 30 seconds within a training, but that 20 or 30 seconds is going to be so memorable that it's going to be hard for people to forget the reason what, what what that procedure is because now they have the why behind it. Right. So I always like the why is very important and we've discussed this. I always feel you have to tell the why. The education piece is part of training is showing, education is explaining the why. So I feel that that's very important. And I always like to keep things like fun and upbeat unless I had a class that was not paying as much attention as that it should be. And then I would pull the stop foodborne illness stuff out. And it's like, you know, look, this is why, this is the real why. 
people, people die, you know, I know Darren Detweiler, <laughs> you know, yeah. and you know, the, these, these are the people, these are the real faces. But oftentimes I would also use the, you know, especially if they were being tested to help them remember, you know, poultry gets cooked to 165 degrees, birds fly high. That's the highest temperature. This is how you're going to remember that. Just funny stories about different things that might have happened to help them remember things. For example, salmonella can be come from beverages. Most people don't know that, but iced tea. People were going through a phase where they were making sun tea. You have to be careful with that. You know, salmonella can come from beverages. You it, sun tea. You have to be careful how long, stuff, how long you let that stuff sit on the hood of your car. And you tell them crazy <laughs> things like that because that helps them remember. It can come from cockroaches. So those kinds of stories from experiences that you've had help them remember that stuff as well. The trick to effective and interesting learning is helping the participants to figure it out for themselves. So you yeah. mean you could just read off a slide very easily or read you know prepared information that uh, chicken is prepared to 165, blah, blah, blah. But like you said, that little mental trick of birds fly high or you know get two containers of food and set them on the counter and ask the participants, which one of these has the salmonella in it? And of course, they're going to go, I don't know. You can't visually tell, or at least I hope you can't visually tell. Again, I'm, I'm over the over the tips of my skis here. <laughs> but, you know, an example like that of like, yeah, you can't visually tell that this has some sort of pathogen in it. And letting the participants to kind of figure that out for themselves, asking them a question, why do we do this? And then shut up and let them go, well, we do it because of X, Y, or Z. And then you guide the discussion. The more you can get the participants to do that, the better. And as Matt was saying, it doesn't take long. You could do that as part of your morning kickoff, you know, team huddle type thing. You don't have to invest a million dollars in it. You can do that as a frontline manager, just in a casual one-on-one type conversation. And now you get the participants kind of thinking And it doesn't cost anything. And then if you're going to do that in a training session, then it just makes it that much more effective. This is the first time I've done a podcast where I'm actually taking notes. I think the best classes that I've ever had were the classes where I left at the end of the day feeling like I didn't feel like I taught per se or did. They were conversations like we had an all day conversation among the room. You know what I mean? It was like just interaction all day long. You know, while we did what we needed to do, it was a day of interaction between the classroom talking to each other, me talking to them. And it was just like you leave at the end of the day thinking, wow, that was a really good it was a really good day. I chatted with my uh, chatted with my friends all day. It was awesome. Yeah, yes. No, exactly. No, I'm serious. Yeah. I mean, we accomplished what we needed to accomplish, but it was like so much so that you think, did I really cover everything? <laughs> Uh I mean, I know I did. I know that I did. But it was that easy flowing kind of day that was just like a really, really good day. Would you agree with that? Uh, oh, a million percent. If it, and that's how it should be. We're we're the spirit guide. We're the Gandalf. We're the the <laughs> the expedition leader at the front of the room. And yes, like I said earlier, you got to be a general, and that's true. You got to command the room, but it should be a fun, interesting exchange of ideas. We're just sort of guiding the ship of where those ideas go based on the curriculum that we need to get through. 
and it doesn't need to be arduous and miserable. It should be, like you say, uh, uh, not only fun, but that getting the participants talking is going to get them much more in that active learning mode. And the reality is oftentimes those participants have interesting stories or experiences Mm -hmm. or knowledge that you as the instructor don't. And when they start sharing that, you're like, oh, yes, of course, that's great. As if you knew, <laughs> you know, as if you knew you were going to pull that out of them. But they share that cool scenario or, or anecdote. And then you can play off of that. And then other people start chiming in. And next thing you know, like you say, it's, well, it's time to move on. And, and it just creates this more active learning environment as opposed to the passive, you know, one way, let me just fire hose information into your face. <laughs> right. I love I love that analogy. Again, I wrote that down, that <laughs> the spirit guide, the Gandalf, because you know, so much of learning is the journey. And if you kind of think of yourself as like as the trainer, think of yourself as leading the the group on his journey, there no group is ever going to be the same. I mean, if you were to do Lord of the Rings again, they <laughs> they would have had to have taken maybe a different journey. And learn new things and see new characters. And, and so, yeah, every training is going to be its own journey. And, and But everybody should, at the end of it, have learned all the pieces that they need. Love that. I can remember years ago playing disco music in the morning when everybody was coming into the room. What's disco yeah, music? Disco music playing in the morning when they came in. And then there's a, now we're in the food service industry, there's a, a disco like food safety CD. Oh my god. Oh my god, they loved it. What's a CD? <laughs> it was you said. Sorry, I'm just I'm... Shut up. <laughs> What was the disco what was the disco song? Can you can you like hum a few bars? Oh my god, I can't you, you wouldn't want that. Everybody would turn off the That was a really that was really close, Adam. That was very good. I, I tried I hard. Was, Man, almost. There was um, one of them was to, I feel like one of them was to the tune of like staying alive or something. Was oh, my God. oh yeah. Well, that's that's how. Okay, so so I have to take CPR class every single year. Same thing. Like the training is is ridiculous, but part of the training is we have to get down and and you know do do like uh, CPR on the dolls or whatever. So you want to have the beats on the chest mm-hmm. at the same rate of staying alive, right? You know, that, you know, but also the same beat of another one bites the dust. Yeah. It's the same song. So, <laughs> you know, it depends on your sense of humor, but like, I like another one bites the dust and another one gone and another one gone, another one bites the dust. Well, I'm glad I could come in and completely destroy your entire <laughs> podcast. And <laughs> Oh no, it was destroyed podcast number one, Adam. <laughs> so on to a little bit different portion of training. Let's talk about what is the best training experience you've ever had? Um, I was at a train the trainer uh, training for me on how to do effective training through the American Management Association. Give them a, a free plug. I actually did two sessions with them. One was uh, in instructional design and the other one was train the trainer. And those sessions, like you said, it was a three-day thing, I think, three or four-day workshop. And they wow. went by just bam, lickety split. And the instructor, what really surprised me, the instructor came in and immediately we went into our first module that we started learning. There was no long-winded explanations of who they were. Uh, there was no 
presentation. There was no anything. It was just, okay, let's go into starting to learn. And that made a big impression on me. So those two workshops through American Management Association uh, were absolutely fantastic. And they modeled exactly the structure and the format of what good training should be. That's good to know. That's awesome. Yeah. And I'm writing that down. Again, more notes, Adam. Jeez. I know. Yeah, no, I am really shocked he's being so studious over there. <laughs> yeah. Right. It doesn't happen. <laughs> this is what you don't know about Matt. He's going to lose those notes. <laughs> <laughs> or is he doing the air note thing where he's just like, oh, here, let me write that down. I, I, I'm, oh, I'm old school. Wow. Oh, good for you. A notebook. A notebook. Yeah. No, I keep. I have notebooks back from like when I first started my career still. Good for you. Okay. So then the follow-up question to that is personally in your trainings, what's the best thing experience you've had? You as a trainer. There was, I actually posted about this. This was for my employer, my date, my daytime employer. Um, I think it was earlier this year. Maybe it was late last year, but anyway, we were doing a, a, a session for some of our more experienced salespeople. And I had a what turned into about a three-hour session with a break in between, which was intended to be about an hour, hour and a half, something like that. But the conversation, the learning, the discussion, the ideas that were flowing, we just got going so crazy that we just I I let it go because it was so effective and so such a good rich robust amount of transference of information. And it was all the participants. I just would chime in here and there once in a while and kind of nudge them along. The other thing that really stood out to me is I had one slide on the screen the entire time. And that was the point of my my LinkedIn post was like, see y'all, you, you don't need a thousand slides. You can do it with one. Now, my dry erase board was crammed and the flip chart was, you know, I used 29 pages on the flip chart and all. We'll, That's awesome. We'll gloss over that part. Um, but what really uh, the the slide part was you know, just personally amusing to me that you could do it all with just one well crafted visual slide. But listening to them figure it out and share ideas, and somebody would chime in and say, "Well, I did X Y Z this way." Wow, really cool! Tell me more about that. And then then they were talking amongst these, themselves, and then we would break off into little groups, and then they would come back and you know. Just the energy and the transference of of knowledge between them was just so energizing to me. And then, of course, I layered on the the prepared material that I had for them. But that just, I mean, that just lit my fire because they were doing what they were supposed to do, which is learn. And uh, that that was fantastic. That's awesome. And, yeah. and um, how many people were in that room? I want to say maybe 12, 15, something like that. Yeah, wow. Yeah. It's great when you look back and realize that it's like <laughs> – Oh crap! I haven't changed any slides. <laughs> yeah, that's it's like. Oh, we're going to do a quick little review here at the end. Here, let me here, you can blast through yeah, yeah, a couple yeah. slides. Oh yeah, and this is what's going to be on the test. I uh, totally meant to do that. <laughs> Make sure that we didn't miss anything. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So, and what would be your most bizarre? experience. Ooh, that's a good question. That's better than what's your worst because everybody knows your worst, but what's your most bizarre? I yeah, like that most, most bizarre. Bizarre. Oh my and it was God. like, yeah, so I met my wife at one of the... <laughs> <laughs> Had a date scheduled before we left. <laughs> I, was, I was trying to tie that back into the uh, Pina Colada song somehow, but I, I couldn't do it in the moment. <laughs> 
so much music in this. Most bizarre. There's a couple that stand out that are that are quite yeah, weird. We're open. Um, <laughs> you don't have to pick. <laughs> so, so okay. So in no no particular order, we had a a session where we were. Um, I'll try to leave this vague uh, for for my employer's benefit, but long and short of it is, we were putting some information into our CRM package, and the participant uh, we were doing some dummy opportunities in the system, and the uh, the participant, despite my instructions to put a small reasonable number in the value of the opportunity, of uh, put in all nines, as many nines was fit in the field. And this was live data. <laughs> So it just it melted down everybody's internal reporting, internal you know pie charts. All of a sudden, we had this nine hundred ninety nine trillion dollar sales opportunity, which <laughs> that that was like oh whoops. Um, we have had individuals um, with with t- some tummy issues. We'll just say after you know a long <laughs> workshop away from home in the middle of a session, which is very you know when you're fifty one and you still find that funny and. <laughs> <laughs> and you're balancing that with the fact you can't breathe anymore and everybody in the classroom is you know you you'll lose focus for a little while we took an extended break there so that was it's so appropriate for the don't eat poop podcast yeah i, mean, I, yeah, I don't know i don't i don't know why i'm trying to kind of be delicate about it but yeah this <laughs> this, this individual clearly uh, had massive problems. So that was just a few weeks ago. We did an episode about consuming placenta. So yeah, you're yeah, good. I mean- yeah. That's, that, that's fair. That's fair. So the, yeah, those are some of the more, I don't, you know, bizarre type situations. And of course there's no normal stuff. The power goes out, the internet fails, oh, uh, my God. Uh, you know, travel issues, uh, all the normal routine stuff. Uh, had one individual who uh, just chewed ice nonstop for hours on end. Oh my and, God. I had to stop that. Oh, I, it, I, <laughs> you know, Adam is all happy, go lucky and Hey, we're going to have fun today, everybody. And then I, so am I, but no, that there's only so much of that I can take. <laughs> you know what? Yeah. That, that's, that yeah. is one of the most annoying things for me. Like, okay, I have 10 kids in, in, uh, nine of them in my house. So I could deal with a lot of noise, a lot of chaos. What I can't deal with is the ongoing tapping or like weird stuff like that, like consistent ongoing tapping is like that Chinese water torture on my head. I'm like, come on, kids. Yeah. (laughs) Oh man. Oh, Francine just had an experience like that recently. (laughs) Remember you had a training that went uh, not very well because of, uh, oh, how quickly we forget. You like freaked out. She blocked it out. Apparently I said I had so many stories. I just, no, I don't remember. It's like, I tell it and it's gone. What, 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 what happened? Yeah. It, it would happen just recently. Cause you were, you were texting me about how bad it was. And someone actually said to you, like, you are a professional trainer. How is it that this, that this happened? And I think it was, uh, some sort of technology issues. And then, well, never mind. Yeah. The technology issue is a big one for training. Yeah. I don't remember. Yeah. I had to like, when I would do like demos, I would go into like huge rooms of hundreds of people and explain the software that we're using that we that they would all have to use right so i'm training them on utilizing a software and this was 2006 2008 to 2010 12 so th- th- you know we had internet but the internet wasn't always that great everywhere and after the first couple times of of literally bombing in rooms of 200 people i like printed out all the steps 
so that I didn't have to go through the demo, had everything in PowerPoint just in case, and and then walked everybody through it one by one. But yeah, the technology thing, oh my gosh. Well, and sometimes we're at the mercy of what they have. So even though you go totally prepared and you've got everything you need, you're at the mercy of whatever mm-hmm. it is they have. Like one time, for example, I was in a Target distribution center and they are locked down tight. Yeah. So I had everything that I needed, but their security system within that warehouse, that distribution center would not let me on the internet to do what I needed to do to have access to the things that I needed to do the training. Mm. So we had to call in their IT people to get me up and running. And I'm like, I am so sorry. Like in their stores, I was good. But in the distribution center, it was like they were locked down. Well, and I, I understand why, but my God, it was locked down so tight that the IT people <laughs> were struggling to get me in. So some of the most bizarre things that have happened to me, I mean, and I have had some crazy stuff, crazy stuff happen to me over the years. One of the most mortifying, oh my God, so embarrassed. This is just terrible. I was training for a private corporation getting close to test time, this girl just falls out of her chair onto the floor. What? Now, some people do bizarre things, you know, for a variety of reasons. And, you know, we're going a few minutes later. She, again, she's like on the floor. And I said, if you're trying to get out of taking the test, this isn't going to work. My sarcastic. Uh-oh. So she gets up again and we have a break. This guy comes up front to me and he says, she's epileptic. <laughs> I'm like, good job, friend. Slow clap. Never felt like such an ass in my entire life. I had an individual, foreign individual, and I was desperately trying to pronounce their name correctly uh, out of respect to them. And I have this bizarre mental block that if you tell me, if you, you know, tell me the pronunciation of your name, Face to face, I can mimic it back to you. Then and when I get in front of the room and I've got nine million other things going through my head while we're <laughs> teaching, if I go to call on somebody and I say, Hey, you know, Mr. Miss fill in the blank or, you know, call them by their first name, I am going to garble and ma- you know, mangle that name guaranteed every time. And I feel that big every time I do it, because, you know, I want to be respectful to people and call them pronounce their name correctly. Well, anyway, this individual was there and I was desperate. I wanted to get the name correct, and I practiced, and I practiced, and I practiced. And then about after four days of this workshop, they came up to me after a break and said, really love the class, learning a lot. This is great. And by the way, the way you're pronouncing my name is the female gender version of my name. It's actually (laughs) pronounced blah, blah, you know, this other way. And (laughs) I tried so hard to get it right and, uh, yeah, blew it completely. (laughs) My bad. Way to ruin those pronouns, Adam. Wow. Yeah. Sorry. (laughs) This young lady didn't like fall and lay there. She like literally like fell out of the chair and jumped right back up. So there was like, no. Yeah. Like I apologized profusely. I was like so mortified. I thought I was going to die. I called the corporate office and like, I was like, I am so sorry. Cause I, I mean, what do you do? Yeah. Well, you don't put her on the fryer, I'm guessing. Probably <laughs> <laughs> not. <laughs> yeah, not not a not a good idea. Adam, do you have do you have kids? 
I do. Yes, a fifteen year old daughter. Yeah. Do you do you find that the 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 better you get at doing training, the better you become as a parent? <laughs> They're untrainable at fifteen. Well, I was going to say at fifteen, I'm just stupid anyway. So no matter what I say, <laughs> is I'm not going to get any headway at all. Uh, hopefully, by the time she's thirty four, maybe she comes back down to earth. Oh, it's um, sooner. It sooner than that. <laughs> Twenty more years, she'll come down to earth. I just grind it out. Um, like the early twenties, they start to come back around. Maybe sooner. Yeah, you've given me hope, Francine. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. I, in broad, general terms, yes. I mean, I think my style has always been let the other person figure it out for themselves and just sort of nudge them in the direction. And I got that lesson from my grandfather very, very early on in life. In fact, I just posted on it recently. We were riding in one of his cars and it had a little sticker that said temper safety glass. And I was probably whatever, seven, eight or nine, something like that. I said, Graham's what's tempered safety glass. And he proceeds to say, well, what do you think it is? And then you know, I couldn't figure it out. And then he said, well, imagine a piece of glass with uh, some film between it and another piece of glass. It's kind of like a sandwich like that. And, you know, now it's, I'm sort of putting this all together in my mind. And that model of helping the other person to come to the conclusion on their own has really just stuck with me. So that's kind of my go-to move anyway. The more I do that with her from a parenting perspective, while I get the super dramatic eye rolls and the flicking of the hair and all the normal 15-year-old girl stuff, within a few days, usually she comes back and there's some subtle hint that she was like, oh, okay, dad, that was a that was a good, good chat, dad. Um, so yeah, it, it helps. Yeah. Oh, I'm hoping the more I get more of those moments when she gets into her 20s, like Francine indicated. <laughs> they sooner or later, they realize that you do know, you are good for some advice and you do know things. Yeah. But I, the, the more and more I did trainings and took a lot of really good trainings, the more and more I realized I, I, my parenting style actually changed to that dictating, telling, why don't you understand type of scenario to more of the Socratic method of, ah, yes, that's a very good question. Um, now, mind you, I am very sarcastic and my children are very, very sarcastic. So we generally speak to each other in our first language, which is sarcasm. But when when it comes down to we, their sarcasm is no longer here, we really have to have some you know grassroots conversation. Then that's when that more the questioning comes in like, ah, do you think that was a good decision? <laughs> How could we have done this better? You know, like. What do you think the punishment should be? And 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 that whole entire shift was 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 absolutely amazing for for both myself and for my children. But also, the more I practice it at home, the more I find I use that that same technique in my workspace as well with managing people, and it's been hugely beneficial. Well, I think having you know my experience with my grandfather and then growing up as a salesperson. You know, the you're just going to build so much resistance if you go into that meeting just telling them how great and wonderful your widget is. Yeah. So that just really ingrained that whole approach into me uh, from the get go. And there's a time and a place where you just have to one way street. Here comes the information. But I think if you do that at the beginning of your training session, whether it's a formal classroom training or an ad hoc, you know, small group field type training, if you start off in presentation mode 
your participant's mind immediately goes to the 9,000 other horrible, awful, miserable, boring training sessions they sat through and, <laughs> and they go, oh my God, here we go again. And they just click off immediately and they're thinking about a million other things. So that even like starting a training session or even just discussion with how did we, you know, let's, let's go back and diagnose how we got to where we're at today and what could have been a better choice and how could we have done this differently and what did we learn today, class? That whole approach, it lowers the resistance that people have. And then it, the momentum starts building and, and then off you go from there. It's so funny because if I'm working for a corporation and they give me the material, they, and we had a chat about this one time, they give me the presentation or the material they want me to use and they have the whole agenda in the front. And I skip right over it. It's like, we don't need this. It's not going to be like this anyway. <laughs> You make it past slide one without changing. This is just a guideline. We're not using it. <laughs> it's like the pirate code. I haven't trained in like a few years. That's yeah. probably why I'm confused. I don't remember exactly what we're talking about. It might have been presentation or something I did somewhere. But um, yeah. So yeah, I just right over it. It's like, this is just a guideline. We're not going to use it. It's not going to be exactly like this. And because when it's a corporation, everybody's like, they're so used to the corporate structure. And I'm just like, ah, we're not going to use this. <laughs> I had you prepare something, Adam, for we, you know, like, you always oh, do no. my food safety. Look at that, that look. Yeah. No, no. I was supposed on. to do something. <laughs> yes. So you remember I, I said, uh, we always do like, and like with the food safety myth or uh, uh, some sort of crazy TikTok or something like that. And and um, wanted you to come up with like something where- it was an option. You gave him an option. He may it not. It was an have. option. He was either that or wear a bikini. Um <laughs> Maybe I've done both. <laughs> <laughs> Is there something you would like for the audience to end with? Some sort of crazy something, some sort of something that uh, something you would like to end with? If not, we're going to make something up. <laughs> <laughs> I've got some training-related myths. Um, I, I kind of went down that route. Uh, if you want me mm. to go more into the bizarre Perfect. myths. No, no. No, that's awesome. Go for so, it. So a couple different – uh, training myths. Number one, you don't start planning a training session by building a slide deck. That's just that's what those who don't know how to train think is the starting point, and that's abjectly not true. Um, wow, that's that is that is probably how ninety percent of the the industry works. Ab absolutely, you create the slide. Yeah, so that that is an interesting myth. And so, how would you start it then? It always starts with analysis. Uh, no matter what formula you use to plan on a training session, you really have to understand what's the issue that you're trying to deal with, what's the skills gap or the behavior change you're trying to affect, what's the procedure process or practice that you're trying to deal with, why are you doing that? You know, Is it just like the yearly certification training or is this a big picture organizational crisis that you're, you're dealing with? Uh, what do the end users say? What are the field level managers say? I mean, analysis is this big involved thing. That's where you start with the training because the more you know of that backstory, uh, the more effective it can be. Now, you can do it the other way around where somebody gives you the prepared script that Francine then throws out the window and does her own <laughs> thing with anyway. Uh, but the more you as a trainer, e even if you get the prepared curriculum, here you go, here's the material, just teach this. The more you can do the analysis as the instructor, talk to the end users, talk to the managers, really get that rich information from them, the more authority and realism and authenticity your session's going to have uh, when you get there. So long-winded answer to your short question, but 
always, always, always start with analysis. That is such amazing insight. So how do you feel about pictures versus words, combination of pictures and words? And we, we know, I know from following you that, and we agree, minimize the number of slides. You don't, nobody ever needs a hundred slides. I don't care what your training, a lot of the training that I did had an exam. So it was very, there was a um, end goal. I mean, the presentations that I did were much, much different than, than training. A presentation and a training are two different things. Yeah. Often I'm, there, there's a different end goal. So what, and oftentimes the trainings that I did with the exams at the end are the ones where they have like a hundred and some slides. They don't need a hundred and some slides. That's way too much. Even if there's an exam at the end, too much. So the question was pictures versus words, combination of pictures and words. What what do you, what do you think? I have my own opinion. I'm just curious what you think. I mean, it really, it goes back to whatever the content is and what you're trying to get across because sometimes you do need, um, a couple bullet points of words up there to to convey a message or convey uh, the point that you're trying to make. So I don't know that it's necessarily either or, but broadly speaking, if we're going to just paint with a broom here, um, pictures, I mean, a picture is worth a thousand words. There's a reason why there's that saying, and it just makes such an imprint on people's minds. Um, pictures, videos, those sorts of things I think are so much more powerful and convey your 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 slide deck is conveying concepts. It's not conveying the information they need to know. Now, if there is some like you need to know this sentence mm. of information, like you need to know a procedure, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, print the procedure off on some sort of work aid, work card, cheat sheet thing that they're given in their little, you know, packet of information that they have. But you don't necessarily have to have it up on the screen. Or maybe you put step one of the procedure on the screen and you use some sort of picture to convey the important need-to-know point of why step one is so so important. So a lot of words as usual to say it's – I don't think it's either or, but if somebody made me choose, pictures, videos, concepts are the way to go, not just the the text because they're not your speaker notes and they're not the resources that you should be sending out after the training session anyway. Those are all entirely separate documents. So you don't really need the words on the screen anyway. Wow. That is very good. Like, I love that, that the presentation is actual concepts, not really the content, but the concepts. Uh, that is that is so powerful. I've never heard of that before. I agree. It's not either or. I agree. It's not either or. I think it's a combination of of both because we also have to remember that people learn differently, you know, For sure. and that's something that we didn't it, we're running a little long here, but that's something that we didn't didn't cover that, you know, everybody learns differently. So I think that a combination is the best way to go. You know, not a lot of words, but some words. I like pictures because the other thing that words, in my opinion, do is, you know, oftentimes people will sit there and read the words while you're talking and they forget to listen. So if there's a lot of words, they're reading while you're talking and not really listening. So if you have a picture, they've got the picture that they can look at and listen to what you're actually saying. But if it's something that they really need to remember, the, the bullet points. For sure. 
Oh, uh, this is that, that was. I'm I'm so glad we didn't end when we did, and I allowed you to talk about your myths because that that was just nuggets of gold, absolute nuggets of gold. All right, well, I think we need to close it. We are at the hour mark. Boy, that that went by so fast. But uh, yeah, thank you so much, Adam. And uh, just remember, Adam, don't eat poop. Yes, (laughs) do not eat any poop. Thank you for coming. It was a pleasure. Thank you so much again for having me on. And and like I said at the beginning, it's just it is truly a fanboy moment to be here on with you. And really appreciate it. Oh, we learned a lot. I learned a lot. This is this is great. Thank you. 